Ni hao. Ni hao. This is Erfan. And I'm Rob. And we're here to update you about our Beijing trip. What? I said, we've been having a splendid time. Oh yes, a splendid time indeed. Especially with the Americans, they're just the best. Righto. Get in, lads. <laughs> Ni hao. Ni hao. This is Irfan. And I'm Rob. <laughs> and believe it or not, this is the real us. Um, that was Dan before. Yes. Um, um, the uh, Americans, uh, Dan, Evan and Andrew, uh, left for America last week. Um, so we're currently uh, just the three of us. So if you're listening, then hello, guys. Hello, chaps. They won't be listening. No, probably not, but yeah, just in case. <laughs> They've got lives to be getting on with. None of this podcasting faffing around. This podcast is going to be about last weekend. Yeah, so we're about seven last days Friday. late. Yeah, so we're, no, we're, we're, we're nine days late. Yeah. So nine days ago, eight days ago, and seven days ago, and the morning of six days ago is covered by this podcast. Very chronological there, Robert. Thank you. No problem. So this is our Forbidden City and Xi'an trip special. Yeah, and if you didn't know what Xi'an was, it is not a dog in French. It is a city <laughs> to the um, west of Beijing by about nine hours, would it be, or ten hours on the train? Depends how fast the train is going. True, but it took us about nine hours, I think. It did. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the Friday we went, uh, first of all, um, well, we went to placement in the morning, didn't we? Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about placement, then the Xi'an trip, and then no, getting the back No, the Forbidden from... City, and then Xi'an. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> Great, that's a second introduction. <laughs> As usual, we... Just don't know what we're doing. I can't remember what I did on placement. Neither can I. I was definitely in the emergency department. I was doing neurology? Yeah, it seems like such was, a long time ago. Was it the first week? Yeah. Because we just did our second week. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the first week. So I was doing neurology. And then, yeah, so placement was just a normal day. Another normal day in Beijing. Yeah, and then they whisked us away after lunch to... The Forbidden City in the bus. Yeah, so the uh, international office um, uh, organised that trip for us. All expenses paid, as per usual. We're getting VIP treatment out here. Yeah, and we and they sent um, two of the students came with us, two of the Chinese students. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they knew what was what, and they knew um, basically loads of facts about the Forbidden City, which they were telling us, so that was really helpful. Do you mind sharing some facts with us? Some what What facts. is the Forbidden City? So it is... Basically, where the emperor lives during the winter and autumn months, or autumn and winter months, if you have OCD, um, <laughs> and he basically lives there with his family and his forty-eight, I believe, wives. Many wives. Um, and then all the servants who cook for them and wash their clothes and make them jewelry and things like that. Um, so it's quite a big place. I reckon, how many kilometers squared would you say it was? 
about 43,000. Yeah, it was huge. It took us all afternoon to walk around it. It was massive. Um, so much to the extent that we had to pretty much run to the station after we'd finished there <laughs> to catch our train to Xi'an. I think one of the things that struck to me about the place was just the huge scale of the place and everywhere you looked um, when you went on a high place there was just temples, wasn't there? Mm, yeah. Well, not temples, but like the, you know... The Chinese traditional buildings. Yeah. If you've not been to China and you've not seen any traditional Chinese buildings... Just Google it. No, don't Google it. <laughs> imagine in your head the most Chinese thing you can possibly imagine and then that's pretty much what this was, I think. Or if it's not a building that they're imagining. No, it's got to be a building. Okay. So, with that section, we haven't actually said any facts about the Forbidden City, have we? No. So, have you got any facts? No. No. Um, well, the, basically, you guys have more access to internet than us. So, if you want to know facts, then just Google it. The one thing I did pick up was the things about the wives, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, it's basically like a really ancient version of Love Island with the <laughs> Emperor because all the 48 wives live in little courtyards and stuff around the main central building um, and then the Emperor lives in the central building and they all the wives have to like compete with each other for the Emperor's favour um, so, so that they basically just get loads of jewellery and stuff and then they get to spend the night in the big temple in the middle with the Emperor which is what everyone wants apparently <laughs> <laughs> uh, fans just opened the guidebook so we'll be back in a mo with some real facts home to 24 Chinese emperors spanning two complete dynasties and more than 500 years the astonishing forbidden city is the largest palace complex in the world and an absolute must see for any visitor to Beijing constructed on the site of a palace during the Kublai Khan and the Mongol Yuan dynasty the Ming Emperor Yongold established the basic layout of the Forbidden City between 1406 and 1420, basing it on the new ruined Ming Dynasty Palace in Nanjing. The palace once lay at the heart of the Imperial City, a much larger now vanished wall enclosure reserved for the use of the Emperor and his personnel. The wall enclosing the Forbidden City assembled from 12, 12 million bricks. That is astonishing, isn't it? Is the last... Again, why have they counted that? It's like the Great Wall thing <laughs> all over again. Is the last intact surviving city wall in Beijing. This gargantuan palace complex, China's largest and best preserved cluster of ancient buildings, sheltered two dynasties of emperors, the Ming and the Qing. King? Qing? Qing, I think. It's, it's Q, so I don't know. Yes, yeah, it's Qing. Qing. Who didn't stray from their pleasure dome unless they absolutely had to. So highly rarefied was the atmosphere that nourished its elitist community. After the uh, arrival at the train station, um, there was a bit of uh, faffing around, waiting for others. Uh, and in the meantime, we decided to go for a Mackey's, didn't we? We went and had a Mackey's. It was a nice Mackey's. Well, to be fair, we, uh, it was basically like 40 yuan, which is about £4.50 in uh, good old sterling. It was quite similar, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I would say it was pretty much so. The only thing was I bought large fries and a drink, and the fries were not large at all. They were mm. just average-sized. Yeah, and I don't know, I find it quite, found it quite stressful because I, I can't really do it properly in England, <laughs> let alone when everything's in Chinese. There was one guy who was like 
getting it right up in your face, up in your grill, wasn't he? <laughs> Basically, I was trying to look at the boards, and then he was, because it was so busy, he was just employed just to stand there to usher people left and right. To the queue. And he wouldn't let me stand there and look at the board. He just kept telling me to go to the right, and I was like, I'm having a look, mate. Calm down. He didn't understand. And he was like holding his hand in your face and you couldn't <laughs> see. And then you just joined the queue just not knowing what you wanted. No, I, in the end I was like, I'm just going to have what I normally have anyway, a McChicken meal, and then just joined up the queue. <laughs> I just got a Big Mac because I had no idea. I didn't know anything else. I, I don't know. Oh, I know about Chicken Legends, actually. But yeah, in terms of the McDonald's experience... It wasn't great. It was pretty much... A McDonald's. I prefer really. Mackey's in, back in Wales. Well, it was pretty much the same, really. I thought. Yeah, I know, but it was just less hustle and bustle. <laughs> Were you getting very nervous? Yeah, I was. I panicked into buying a Big Mac by itself, <laughs> and it just didn't fill me up. <laughs> Did you get a meal though? No. Oh, you just got a Big Mac on a yeah. thing. It was twenty-three. How did you wash it down? So it was twenty-three. UN. Well, I had some water, and then I bought a beer from the shop, yeah. which was ten yuan. Oh yoy! All the lads. Yeah. Love a good beer, me. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we just waited around for the train and then hopped onto the overnight train. That That's a, another story in itself. So first impressions, the train was very, very cramped. Like, the, the corridor was about as thick as... Well, it, it wasn't very thick, so not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I could get through quite easily. Yeah, I, like... Your arms were too big. <laughs> there's just loads of people sitting. Like basically, everyone had obviously been on an overnight train before because there's only a certain amount of plug sockets, and they're all in the corridor. Yeah. So everyone just got their position in the corridor where the plug socket was, and just blocked the corridor. Yeah. So we were trying to go in and out with our bags and stuff, and there was all these just people frantically trying to charge their phones. <laughs> Don't know why they didn't plan ahead and charge their phones beforehand, but anyway. Um. So we we all turned out to be on different carriages and different rooms and yeah stuff, so me and rob was um, well me and rob and vic was t- like in the same carriage but not in the same cabin and then evan and um well evan uh and dan were um together yeah they were in the same cabin and then andrew was the next like one along. three carriages there <laughs> yeah and then when we started off they'd locked all the doors between the carriages yeah. to stop people walking around and we thought it was going to be for the whole trip so we were just panicking we were preparing we? for a long night yeah, so, um, and then t- after a while they opened up the carriages and then basically just Dan and Irfan went and went hustling and managed to swap with loads of people. Yeah, well before that we managed to swap you, so yeah. we were in the same place um, and then we had like 2-2 two, two and a 1 and a 1. Um, the trick with that is if you are ever planning to go uh, on an overnight train with six bunk beds, um, make sure you make, if you are making swaps, to make like-for-like swaps. Um, because it's a bit hard trading like a bottom bunker for like a top bunker. Because I think no, what, what I gather is bottom bunker was the best. No, top bunker and bottom bunker I think were equally good because on the top bunk you get um, lots storage. of storage, but then on the bottom bunk it's good for all those people with. But then like, you get BPH. a lot of storage underneath the beds in the bottom bunker as well, and you've got. What did you say, BPH? Yeah, if you've got BPH or diabetes or any of those things which make you need the toilet a lot, then make sure you get the bottom bunk because it's a like it's like climbing up a, I don't know, it's like climbing up a cliff face to get onto the top bunk. It involves some skill. 
But yeah, uh, the the um, moral of the story is. Um, well, basically, try and get the top or bottom bunk because then it's easier to swap. Yeah. I got the middle bunk and so did Irfan, so I had to wake up next we to this We were facing bunk. each other, it was proper romantic. Well, I wake up next to him every day. <laughs> uh, you're the first thing I see every morning. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, not a pretty sight, I can tell you that. Also, I forgot to say, I went to grab um, uh, Andrew, and he just, well, he was like three um, carriages down from us, and he just looked like the most hopeless person in the world. When I went to find him, he was just sat on his bunk bed um, and he was just like reading a book and he, like the look on his face was priceless. He just looked like he just wanted to top himself. <laughs> um, but you swooped in for the rescue. The other thing as well is because he, he didn't have like internet connection either. Uh, so he was literally just like... Because <laughs> he was so far away he couldn't reach the hotspot. Yeah, um, so he was... Not in a good place, and then when he, when I saw mentally when, and physically, when he saw me, like his face lit up <laughs> with just excitement and uh, All right. uh, pure big joy. <laughs> so yeah, basically, big for that boot. <laughs> basically, in the end, we all managed to swap uh, and get into one um, cabin. Yeah, so and we were was... in for a pretty banterous night playing cards, having a few swills. I said, if you swear, Rob was the only one who was drinking. No, Andrew had a swill. Did he? Oh, but he okay. finished it probably before we all managed to get there. <laughs> he probably got in the cabin, just necked his swill, started reading his book, and then he was like, well, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Turns out, it turned out to be really fun, actually. It was a really good night, actually. I couldn't sleep very well because the train was, like, rollicking about and Irfan was snoring right in my ear. <laughs> yeah, in terms of my snoring, what would you rate it out of ten? Well, I, I know how Barbara feels because... <laughs> If she can hear you from downstairs, then I was just getting... I reckon it was more than 80 decibels. <laughs> if I have to have a, a hearing aid and the NHS has gone under, you're paying for it. Um, yeah, but I, apart from that, I had a really good night's sleep. Yeah, OK, we all know you did. <laughs> Big shout-out to Jono and Freddo. Um, they were the two tour guides. John basically didn't do anything apart from pick up our money. And Fred was basically the man of the hour when we arrived yeah fred was a, a nice guy he basically when we arrived at like 7 a.m he just started off by giving a spiel which he's probably done which went on for about an hour and a half <laughs> about why he was called fred and about the Qing dynasty and the emperor and he gave them all names so that we remember we could remember them instead of having really long chinese names he gave them all names. Can you remember what names? Tom he... and Jerry. Oh yeah, that was it. And then there was another one, wasn't Cause there? Because he just kept like relating it to um, the cartoon characters. Yeah. And then that won't work with the generation below us because they won't have a clue who Tom and Jerry is. <laughs> uh, what else was there? Um, he talked about Trump being one of the emperors. Yeah. Because like he was a businessman before, and then he chucked in a couple of Trump uh, jokes. Yeah, so the Americans were loving that. <laughs> I think the Americans were asleep at that. I think most people were asleep by that yeah. point. You were videoing the whole thing. I was, I was like, yeah, I had the, like a videoing thing, and then I was like just videoing the streets. The Ukrainians were well into it. They were like cheering and stuff when he said something good, and they were like, gas- uh, yeah, we mentioned- they were gasping when he said something bad. <laughs> yeah, we haven't mentioned like there was a few other people on this trip because it wasn't like uh, one organised by the um, international school. It was uh, one. It was, it was like, a separate company. One. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there were two girls, two, two medical students from Pakistan, and then two Ukrainians. A, yeah. A, and a Korean guy. 
Yeah, some random Korean dude. So what were your first impressions of Xi'an then? Uh, there was a lot of buildings there. Um, oh, lots of skyscrapers. Um, I think it was a bit more busy as well, wasn't it? Yeah, like when we arrived it was absolutely rammed and we arrived at 7am so like somehow the square where the station was was just packed out with people feeling fresh straight off the train. fred founders he had a big flag with fred written on it no it didn't have fred written on it <laughs> no, it was uh, like the name of the company and it was a green flag yeah um so then because xi'an is a bit more hilly than beijing as well when you're in beijing you don't really realize how big it is because you can't see the whole thing but with xi'an you go over a hill and you can just see just skyscrapers and buildings just as far as the eye could see, which was, in our case, about 20 metres because there was quite a lot of smog. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It was it was worse on the last day we were there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was more smoggy than Beijing, which was a bit of a surprise because I, in my, in my mind, imagined it to be, like, loads of old-fashioned buildings and, like, little streets and stuff, but it turned out to just be a huge, another mm. huge city with skyscrapers and just people on people if anyone goes to china and someone offers you eggs boiled in soy sauce then just walk off because i had them when we got to the terracotta warriors and they were just the grossest thing ever they were like really overboiled, and they were basically like eating an actual rubber <laughs> i had some uh, pastries which i'd bought the night before or yeah. the day before yeah, so you did all right there. Yeah. But these eggs are just, like, you could only eat probably about half the egg each time. Anyway, that was all I wanted to say about breakfast. Ding dong! So then we went to the Terracotta um, Warriors, uh, the museums that were essentially there. Um, so basically the history of it, as usual, I'll be your history man. Um, so in early spring of 1974, there were these farmers I think yeah um, who uh, were I think digging up for a well and it's whilst... a really dry part of China it's not actually in Xi'an it's about an hour outside the city so they didn't have any running water yeah so they between them decided to dig a well for the village which they lived in um, there's actually a photo called Xi'ang Xi'ang village yeah so there's a photo of this village before the terracotta warriors were found and it's literally just fields and yeah. mountains and nothing much, really. And if you compare it to what it looks like now, it's just a whole completely different world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were just digging up for a well, and then they found some pottery fragments. Uh, and so then um, they, I think, got uh, the time team in, who then just dug up the place, and um, here we are, 40 years on, and we've got lots of museums there haven't we we've got three bit big pits there we've even got some egyptian relics there yeah um and yeah so uh the, in 1974 the farmers found it uh in 1976 uh, there were the three pits found uh, and by 1979 i believe um a museum was founded for the local people uh, to go and see um, but since then, they've had millions upon millions of visitors go. Um, and it's become a uh, very big thing, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, what else can I tell you about them? Uh, I can tell you that there are 8,000 warriors there. Uh, but only, I think, about 1,500 have been actually um, like unearthed. The issue they've got at the moment is, whilst they've, they know they're there, they don't want to 
uh, remove the clay on top of the warriors because uh, of oxidation issues. So when you actually go there, there's this massive, it looks like an aeroplane hangar. Yeah. Uh, it's huge. And you go in and there's just loads of warriors all lined up in formation. Yeah. They're probably, they're like life-size, so they're as big as a person. Yeah. And there's so many of them, and that's only a fraction of the amount of warriors there actually is. Um, and the reason why they're there is because uh, the Chinese believe in the afterlife, uh, and therefore the emperor, when he, um, uh, I think he was, was it 13 or something, was it? I can't yeah, remember. he was 13 when he started building these warriors to protect him in the afterlife. Yeah. So what sort of 13-year-old starts thinking about their burial chamber when... <laughs> when they're 13 what was I doing at 13 probably nothing much throwing water bombs at cars <laughs> uh, I think I was just egging old people's homes at the time um, we were just a couple of likely lads <laughs> um, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves what did you buy when you before we went in oh yeah yeah so before I, I got the chance to meet one of these farmers uh, there's only three of them who are alive at the moment um, and I don't know why I said at the moment there. <laughs> <laughs> and believe um, it or not, um, I'm pretty sure I saw about six different men claiming to be these farmers. <laughs> so Irfan bought a book from one of these supposed farmers, um, which he signed, and he got to have a photo with the man himself. Yeah. Um, so if you would like to see that picture, just drop me a message and I'll send it to you. Uh, it's basically a picture of me next to a farmer who's just he signing even a, a farmer. Book. He was just he a shopkeeper. He's he's um shaken Bill Clinton's hand, I'll have you know. Well about do... forty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and you've shaken his hand, so basically you've shaken Bill's hand. Yeah. It's a it's a small world we live in. So we mentioned a minute ago that um the terracotta warriors were actually originally all really colourful. They had like um, skin, actual skin colour and stuff. I, I don't know if you've seen pictures of the terracotta warriors, but they're all pretty much just clay coloured now. Um, and when they're actually buried with clay, they're still fully coloured. But as soon as you uncover them, within 40 seconds, all the paint which they use just completely peels off um, and they become clay coloured. So that's the reason they haven't uncovered the other, was it, 6,500 yeah. or whatever, because they know that as soon as they uncover them, then the colour's going to go off. So they're just keeping them preserved in the clay until we invent a method of keeping the colour on the warriors. Also, you've got to remember as well that when they do uncover them, a lot of it is broken. So um, it takes a long time to put them back together. Yeah, um, uh, and also like it, it's complex, complex process. It's like a thousands and thousands of pieces of jigsaw, and it's three D. Yeah, um, but thoughts on the tackle warriors. Well, I thought the paint thing was interesting because surely when they painted them, then the paint would have just peeled off as well. So that just means the air is different yeah. to when it was back then. Um, the other things as well, as we know a lot from these uh, about Chinese sort of military and tactics and formation, weaponry, armour because of these. So um, they provided a lot of insight to what um, life would have been like yeah. as a soldier back then. So, recommend a visit to the Terracotta Warriors. Absolutely brilliant. Just go there. Yeah. Um, and it's very cheap as well. Like, most places we go is just super cheap. How much was it to get in? Like a tenner or something? I can't no, remember. it was less than that, I think. It was 60 for us because we were students. Yeah. We used our dinner cards to get a student discount. 
so after the Terracotta Warriors, there was like a touristy bit um, lo with loads of like shops. So we went there, there was loads of food to try out and souvenirs and stuff. Um, Rob basically saw these uh, like yellow long rice pudding things. Um, you make it sound really, you're really good at explain, describing food. <laughs> It, it, looked like, it looked like a pineapple, but it was made of rice. <laughs> and you said you'd seen them before, yeah. That, and that you had them in Iran, and they were really sweet and I tasty. Thought, yeah, I so thought, I was like, oh, I'll try one of them because it was only, it was only. <laughs> well, we asked the lady, and she said it was three yen. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll try one out because it might be nice. Yeah. Meanwhile, she had a massive coughing fit as I was handing my money over, and. She coughed all over the pineapple yellow thing, so it was infected. It, was, it wasn't pineapple; it was rice. And she also, I gave her a ten, and she only gave me four. Uh, she gave me six change, and I was like, "Where's my other one?" And she was like, "Oh, it's four. And I was like, "Well, you just literally just sold someone else one for three, and she just basically made it up." She was such an annoying woman. And then because she coughed all over, I didn't even want it anyway, so she and just then, handed it me on a stick. And then Rob, whilst giving his money over, um, put this plate um, of his newly acquired goods um, on like this plinth, uh, and it wasn't very, uh, well, it wasn't straight, was it? Because what happened next? Dropped it. <laughs> it literally just slipped down whilst I just watched your face in slow motion go from disappointed to very angry. <laughs> yeah, because I just dropped it on the floor and it just was not only infected with cough germs, but it was also infected with floor germs. <laughs> so I just chucked it in the bin. Cause, and then I had I tried one of Vicks, and a um, bite of Vicks, and it was just grim anyway. It just tasted like rice on a stick. <laughs> Which is essentially what it was, with some yellow food colouring maybe. I don't know. I didn't try it. So, so don't bother with that if you have a go, because it's just a complete waste of money. <laughs> I'd rather eat a scabby bit of skin. That's, that's, a, that's a big statement. Who would like to see Robert eat a scabby bit of skin? Write to us at um, I'd like to see Rob eat a scabby <laughs> bit of skin at gmail.com. <laughs> So the next bit is the um, Sunday, uh, and we Sunday was just more travelling around, wasn't it? We went to the Muslim quarters, we went to a couple of museums. Um, the Muslim quarters, just quickly sum it up, basically uh, when travellers um, going back and forth between the Silk Road um, settled down, uh, they married like the Chinese people. Um, and ever since they've just stayed around in China in that particular area. Yeah, uh, and so there's a Xi'an, big Xi'an was the end of the Silk Road, yeah. the Chinese end. Um, and so there's a big uh, Muslim population there. Um, and it, we, it made quite a good impression of us, didn't it? On us, it was yeah, it was quite a, a busy, bustling road. There was, there was loads of different of... food to try. Yeah, um, we did see a few interesting things. Um, one of them was a boy doing a wee in the street just yeah. literally in the middle of the street with loads and loads of people all around him just laughing at him <laughs> I don't we, think anyone was laughing at cause... well we were well yeah and a few other people were I think <laughs> um, and then another one was a, a separate a different boy well I think it was a different boy doing, a, doing a poo in a bin <laughs> um, and then we laughed at him a bit and then we the... and then he, he stopped doing that yeah um and that was probably it. That's all we really needed to say about that. 
Uh, we did see uh, for our next segment, Lost in Translation. Oh yeah, we did see a, a fountain which with a sign on it, and we have no idea what this was supposed to supposed to mean. But um, for for some reason they put a sign on it saying um, what was it again? Self examination. Oh yeah. So uh, so Rob just did a quick self examination. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what was your impressions of the hotel we stayed in? Um, well, I've stayed in some weird places in my time, but this was probably one of the top. It was just so weird. Like, it was an absolutely massive, massive hotel. The corridors were just endless. Yeah. But we were the only... I'm pretty sure we were the only guests staying there. I don't know. It was just really weird. It was like a ghost hotel. And it was a bit smelly. And the breakfast... Some rooms were. Our room was pretty good. Our room wasn't too bad, yeah. The breakfast was a bit questionable. You you were... Irfan was astonished at the fact they don't have cereal and toast and stuff for for breakfast. Well, I thought there'd be... Like, Chinese people would have their own special, like, breakfast. Yeah. Like, with... But loads of people do this. They just have the same thing for lunch and dinner and breakfast. Well, I thought they'd have, like, you know, those pancake... Oh, here we go. You know those pancakey things we've had a couple of times. I thought they'd be like more pastries and things like that. And uh, yeah, we had we tried this like Coca Cola thing. Yeah, like it was, it was warm and it was really fruity. I've no idea it what was, it was. Yeah, still don't know. Uh, next up, fountain display. Oh yeah, we forgot about that as well. Yeah, I didn't really think the fountain display was very good. Well, it's the biggest fountain display in Asia. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. That's um, such was... a rubbish fact, though. Like, who cares? <laughs> it's just some water flying about. <laughs> it was some nice music. It was like pirate. Yeah, I, I had a prime spot though. I went all the way at the like beginning, um, like the the um, bottom of the hill thing, uh, and watched all the spectacular views from there. Couple of shout outs. First ones to Kev. Um, we bought you a present in Xi'an. I know you're probably not listening because, well, because you're like... A plonker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got you a present anyway because we're such good mates. It's uh, a slimy, long, slithery animal. Can you guess what it is? <laughs> yeah, it's a snake. Yeah, it is. Um, because... Not hinting at anything, are we? No. I just thought you might like a snake. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Any other shout-outs? Um, yeah, I just wanted to shout-out to my mum. She's in the Caribbean at the moment. We have listeners from every corner of the globe. Um, so, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We've put lots of history in it. We have. Your favourite. Yep. Um, it's very factual. The next one will be back to our we, usual tricks. Well, we, we've since found out that... Um, who was it who came over here... To do a um, a gig and they didn't have an entertainment visa. Oh, it was um, Craig David. Yeah, uh, and he was denied entry because he had the wrong type of visa. So I'm just you know um, keeping it factual. If Craig had listened to our first episode, he wouldn't have had any problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, shout out to Craig. Yep. After another overnight train, which was a lot easier this time around because we were all in the same cabin. And we were just all tired out. Yeah. We just played cards a lot and then just conked out all night. Arrived at the station at 7am and then um, went into placement. Um, 
which we will talk about in the next episode. Yep. Uh, so this next episode will be about this past week. So which has been very busy, but a lot to talk about. Yeah. So lots to look forward to. We'll do that episode tomorrow, so. And we'll be back to our old tricks as well. Keep your ears peeled. Ding dong! <laughs>